Hello, welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host, Matthew Roberts, and this is Series 2, Episode 219 of this study podcast. Thank you for joining us as we continue Alma 43 to 52 in August the 3rd to August the 9th. Stand fast in the faith of Christ. And today we're going to try and get through Alma for Chapter 46 today. There is a lot in this chapter, um, a, lot of, a lot of events that take place and, and a lot of lessons to learn. So let's get straight into it. So we've learned about Amalekiah and who Amalekiah is and who he represents in this story as the adversary. Um, in our 46 verse 7, we see um, that the Nephites were, some of them were quite easily led astray. In verse 7 it says, And there were many in the church who believed in the flattering words of Amalekiah. Therefore they dissented even from the church, and thus were the affairs of the people of Nephi exceedingly precarious and dangerous, notwithstanding their great victory which they had had over the Lamanites and their great rejoicings which they had had because of their deliverance by the hand of the Lord. And this is something that I've noticed uh, the past couple of times I've been studying these war chapters, is that it seems that in one section or in one chapter, like chapters 44 and 45, the people were very obedient. They were looking to the Lord for their salvation. They were saved from the Lamanites and and Zarahemna um, and all these things. But then a chapter later, they're being led astray by Malachiah. They're doing things which they shouldn't. Then we have, you know, where they win another battle and then the kingmen come along and there's wickedness within the Nephites again. And we'll see that later. Um, and it's interesting how the Nephites are clearly, you know, well, they can be like us, really, um, you know, quite righteous and doing what they need to, but then occasionally slipping in their standards. Uh, Gerald Hansen Jr. said this, quote, the irony of the wars in the Book of Alma is that the Nephites were righteous enough to win the wars but not righteous enough to prevent them from taking place. According to President Spencer W. Kimball, God has give, had given a special promise to the Nephites, which is valid to all the peoples of America. If they would stay sufficiently righteous, they would not have to fight. Both the war with Zarahemna and the one that, um, with Amalekiah began at a time when many Nephites, including members of the church, had hardened their hearts. Close quote. And so we need to look out for that is when we see these battles happen is recognize when the Nephites had hardened their hearts. And it seems to happen quite often when these battles begin. Uh, and in fact, in verse eight, it says, and thus we see how quick the children of men do forget the Lord their God, yea, and how quick to do iniquity and to be led away by the evil one. And of course, here, um, Mormon is not putting in this commentary that Malachiah is the evil one necessarily, but of course, Satan. Uh, but he is, again, a, a representation of that. So we move forward, and uh, basically Captain Moroni is not happy with this situation, uh, and he sees that many people are going astray, and he decides to take his coat and to write this title of liberty. Um, and it's a wonderful um, title. It says, In memory of our God, our religion and freedom, and our peace, our wives and our children. And he fastened it upon the end of a pole. And we know that he put on his armour, his breastplate, his shields, and he carried this title of liberty for the band of Christians. Um, <clears throat> Jennifer C. Lane uh, says this about the title of liberty, quote, as in the Old Testament, renaming is also understood to be part of a covenant in Nephite culture. When Moroni rallies the people of Nephi with the title of liberty, all those who are true believers in Christ took upon them gladly the name of Christ or Christians as they were called. In the Book of Mormon, the making of covenants is usually connected with the taking of the name of Christ upon oneself. This practice connects the idea of renaming as a change of nature with the idea of renaming as adoption, because a new name was also an indication of adoption in the ancient Near East. Close quote. 
I, I, do you know, I'd never really noticed that before. When we when we think about King Benjamin and his people that we spoke about months ago, and uh, Al the Elder, and uh, you know the waters of Mormon and the changing of the name there, when this when a covenant is made, they change their name, or they take upon themselves a new name. And when you think about this in terms of our ordinances and covenants we take part in today, such as baptism um, and in the temple, you know, there are plenty of names that are taken upon us. Uh, and it's important to recognize those because they are and have been part of the ordinances of the Lord and of the gospel since um, since it began with Adam. Uh, in verse 20, so I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. So Moroni basically speaks to all the people. Uh, tells them what they should be doing. And in verse 20, um, he says, Behold, whosoever will maintain this title upon the land, let them come forth in the strength of the Lord and enter into a covenant that they will maintain their rights and their religion that the Lord God may bless them. Um, interestingly, again, the, the rending of his coat was something else that uh, had been done for culturally for, for many, many years as well. Dennis L. Largi, uh, or Largi said this, quote, Moroni's words and the rending of his coat to make the title of liberty motivated other Nephites to rend their own garments as a covenant that they would not forsake God. The penalty for so doing being that the Lord should rend them even as they had rent their garments. Moroni then referred to the ancient coat of Joseph, son of Jacob, that was rent by his brothers and cautioned how they too, as their ancestor Joseph, would suffer at the hands of their dissident brethren if they did not keep the commandments. Close quote. Um, again, you know, a lot of uh, symbolism and insight there, which I'd never really noticed before, which is wonderful. In verse 21, we see the people um, come running. Um, and again, this is a wonderful image. Uh, in verse 21, it says, And it came to pass that when Moroni had proclaimed these words, behold, the people came running together with their armor girded about their loins, rending their garments in token or as a covenant, that they would not forsake the Lord their God. And again, this is a this is a lesson that can directly apply to us when we are called by the prophet uh, to make a change in our standards, or if we are taking the sacraments to renew our covenants with the Lord. Are we doing so with our armor girds about us, and are we doing so uh, running? Are we desperate to renew or to or to keep those covenants that we have made, uh, and you know make sure that we, that we uphold them? Uh, Robert D. Hales said this quote. Our, our Saviour's second coming is drawing nearer. Let us not delay in this great cause. Remember Captain Moroni, who hoisted the title of liberty, inscribed the words in memory of our God, our religion and freedom, and our peace, our wives and our children. Let us remember the people's response. Exercising their agency, they came running together with a covenant to act. My beloved brothers and sisters, don't walk. Run. Run to receive the blessings of agency by following the Holy Ghost and exercising the freedoms God has given us to do his will, close quote. Are we running today, even in a time where worship and renewing of covenants looks very different? Are we running to receive these great blessings that are available to us? Um, it's something which I you know, have to ponder and think about uh, each day. Um, for the battle that we are waging is a daily one, and it's not necessarily a physical one, but it is a spiritual one, as we've spoken about, a continuation of the war in heaven, some may, you may say. So many people come, and Amalekai sees that he's not going to do very well, and so he decides with a small, small number of his men that they're going to flee. And the remainder were captured by Moroni. Um, 
I am going to move on actually to what happens to these men that are captured. So Moroni obviously has captured these dissidents, these people that followed Amalekiah. Uh, Amalekiah has left them and uh, went gone with it, a small number of his men, which just again kind of shows the um, priorities and the care that people who are who act as the adversary does, how much they really care for their people. Uh, and in verse 35, uh, we see that Moroni uh, gets permission uh, to put these people to death uh, if they do not enter into a covenant to support the cause of freedom. Now, this this thing is always, well, not always, but there was a time where this moment or this part in the story kind of made me think, what? Why, why would you kill them? Um, you know, they're just choosing not to fight. But actually, there is something a lot different here that, that is going on. Hugh Nibley uh, explained it like this, quote, The fiction has been diligently cultivated that Moroni on this occasion put all the pacifists to death. Those put to death were not those who had refused to take up arms to defend their country, but those who had taken up arms to attack it and who were on their way to join the enemy across the border, glad in their hearts when they heard that the Lamanites were coming down to battle against their country. They were dissenters to the enemy. Pacifists? They were all members of Amalekiah's army, armed to the teeth on their way to join the enemy when Moroni caught them. Armed violence, not pacifism, has been their program from the beginning, close quote. And this quote kind of really helped me uh, secure the understanding of, well, these people, they, were, they weren't just people that were refusing to fight. They were people who were very willing to fight, but not for the cause that Moroni and his people did. And of course, if they were allowed to go, they would gladly have joined the Lamanite army and cause more problems for these people. So um, when you look at it in that way, it actually makes sense that they were indeed put to death. Um, I want to close uh, on this fantastic image. So in verse 36, after this event, it says, And it came to pass also that he, meaning Moroni, caused the title of liberty to be hoisted upon every tower in which was in all the land, which was possessed by the Nephites. And thus Moroni planted the standard of liberty among the Nephites. I love this image, um, and I'll tell you why. Because what Moroni has done is, is he has raised standards across all the land. Now, I use that word very purposefully about Moroni raising standards across the land. Of course, we, we in this case, we're talking about a very physical standard. Like these, these titles of liberty were literally lifted up across the land. But you could also apply it to a spiritual sense. Moroni raised the standards of the Nephites across the land. Uh, which is a wonderful um, thought and something that we should all seek to have is, is something to raise our standards. That this title of liberty, whatever you are doing in your home, if you live on your own or if you have a family or whatever and you're studying this, this might be a perfect opportunity to raise the standard in your home. Yes, you could even write it down on a piece of paper and you know lift it up in the home just like Moroni did. But raising the standards in our home is something that we should all be seeking for. Um, interesting to note the difference between Amalekiah as well as Captain Moroni. Captain Moroni raised the standards. Amalekiah was doing all he could to bring people down with him. Uh, and so, again, we see that that symbolism, that imagery of the adversary and, and the saviour, uh, which is, you know, I'm, I'm finding so relevant across the entire Book of Mormon. It's really wonderful. So anyway, uh, thank you for listening today. We've gone well just over well over the 10-minute mark there, but uh, there was a couple of things I really wanted to share. I uh, hope you enjoyed the study today.
if there's anything you've been studying, uh, please share it at Matt S. Roberts. You can, yeah, well, that's me on Twitter at Matt S. Roberts 90. You can join the Facebook group Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. Uh, it's very easy to share your study and your thoughts there. And it'd be lovely to hear from some individuals on what you think about what we've been studying. And uh, you can always uh, email ldsstudysession at gmail.com if you're interested in joining in a future podcast episode as well. Thank you for listening. And until we meet again.